podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and it's gone in! And one shot cheated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's gonna be that! It's John Bart, it's Pearson, it is 1 0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Melter! What a goal! Another chance for Russell. This time he makes it. The Rams rampant. Hello, everybody. This is Steve Bloomers Washing, the Derby County fan podcast, with me, Chris Parsons, for episode 14. I'm joined as ever by two more long-suffering Derby fans. New Year, New You. It's Richard Kutcher. New hair. And he's still drunk for New Year's Eve. Hello, Tom Martin. Pass me the port. Now it's our first podcast of 2018. But could it also be the year of the Ram? Could uh, be. Derby County have stormed up to second in the championship. So we're all going to try not to get too carried away. Um, we'll reflect on the festive haul of eight points from four games. We'll take a closer look at the chasing pack, Bristol City, Cardiff and Villa. And there's also a bit of uh, chat and analysis on Man United. And we'll have a look at the January transfer window as well. Now, it might be New Year, but some things never change. Out with the old, in with the old. We're going to persevere of who ram I for another week. Yes, come on. Good. Um, come back. The guessing game where Tom and Richard have to identify a former Derby County star from yesteryear. Uh, but my reckoning, I wasn't quite sure to score. Tom currently leads 7-3 for the season. Is that right? I think so. Uh, Kutch is in a good position now. I feel he's uh, <laughs> got lots of chances. To I'm, like the, I'm like the, Mid- I'm like the uh, Middlesbrough of uh, who ram I? In, Sitting in back. Late third. So, is your New Year's resolution to narrow the gap? That's one, one, well, that's what she said. Yeah. Um, no, that is uh, one, one of my plans. Well, here we go then. Uh, this is your first clue, uh, if I can find the information. Um, so, I played 52 times for Derby County between 2009 and 2011. 52 times. Correct. Yes, do I get a point? <laughs> <laughs> 2009, 2011, that's, okay. Yeah. That's uh, the Paul Jewell era into Clough. It's Clough. Anyway, yeah. have a have a yeah. think, as you always do, right, and Clough. we'll come back to it at the end of the podcast. But in the meantime, so Derby, ta- Derby took eight points from four games over the festive period. Uh, beat Millwall 3-0 at home, drew with Hull City away on Boxing Day. Uh, had a fantastic one at Portman Road, Ipswich mm. on the 30th, where we won 2-1 thanks to Sam Winnell double, and drew yesterday, was it yesterday? It was yesterday, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, with Sheffield United one all at home. And we're now second. I mean, Kutch, are you, are we starting to believe now? Is it happening? Absolutely. I, th- I think I hinted in the last uh, recording that I was starting to believe that we were really in of a shout for second, and that's definitely only been, you know, that belief has only been strengthened from, from the Christmas period. Um, and seeing how we how we play and how we've used the squad, so yeah, absolutely, it's definitely up for grabs, and we're we're leading the pack. So yeah, Tom, do you agree? I've got my excited hat on, which is unusual for me. I've <laughs> <laughs> seen you excited hat for a good couple of years. Well, it's been it's been a long time. It's been um, dusted off. It's it's excellent to see that continuing the defensive, generally defense, uh, strong defensively. Sorry, um, and them scoring some great goals. The second goal from Winnell, fantastic goal of the season contender in my eyes. 
I thought he only scored tappings. I don't know. He had a, a cheeky little screamer yeah. in his locker. I, don't think, I think he said or Gary Rowett said after the game that they didn't know he could hit it that hard. No. So obviously, kick, I think kick it that far, maybe <laughs> kick it that far. Yeah. So yeah, brilliant, different side of him, but uh, mm. two two great goals and great great selection choices from from Rowett again. So as as it stands, uh, I mean, it looks like Wolves are starting to run away with it, aren't they? Really. So Wolves fifty eight points from twenty five. Even got a game in hand for twenty five. Then Derby forty nine from twenty six plus 18 uh, Cardiff 47 from 26 plus 11 Bristol City 47 from 26 plus 9 and uh, then Villa in 5th 44 from 26 plus 14 and Leeds United making up the top 6 43 from 26 plus 9 what's interesting is that Cardiff actually went other place despite losing because yeah. Bristol City took an absolute pumping off Villa the and they day, didn't they fall in the bounce isn't it from Cardiff they've lost yeah yeah we'll, yeah, we'll come on to that definitely in more detail. But I mean, I'd be interested to see how you know Bristol react to that, that Villa thumping. That is a big result, isn't it? It's an absolute shilling, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and my, my fans are going to be very upset if you called them Bristol. I mean, it's Bristol City. <laughs> sorry, you know, sorry, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Villa, you know, if, if Villa kick on from that result, it'd be interesting to see if Bristol completely drop off and, and uh, sorry, Bristol City <laughs> drop off. Uh, but we'll come, I know we're going to discuss this in more detail in a second, but that is a real eye-catching result. Encouraging mm. signs, aren't there? Cardiff lost four in the bounce, yeah. and Bristol City to, just took an absolute hiding in their last game. I think all teams are going to go through a, an iffy patch between now and the end of the season, so hopefully this isn't Cardiff's only iffy patch, uh, that would be what I'd say, because they're still only two points behind us, and it, we're on such a good run without really pulling up any trees, I would say. Um, so I would, it wouldn't surprise me if we went through a difficult patch at some point. So if we can maintain what we've been doing um, and obviously try and keep up with those those teams in and around us I, I think we're in for a really good chance this year I feel like this is the best chance we've had since the Wembley season of finishing yeah. in the top two Do definitely you... when you look at three things right when you look at where we are second yeah. in the league obviously you look at how the sort of squad depth we have compared to previous seasons and the state of the rest of the league yeah. I mean if you look back at 13-14 uh, it was Leicester who won the league didn't they and then yeah. Burnley were second and truth be told we were like we were a bit off Burnley in that season weren't we yeah, yeah. those two were clearly better than the rest of us but uh, we had the, a very late surge that season we did yeah the whole season we had a lot to keep up, uh, catch up with yeah the whole playoff season um, two years back that was uh, Bournemouth and Middlesbrough yeah and we, um, were, we were up with them until February time it's my birthday when we lost to Fulham and then we then we, we fell lost, away yeah. uh, so what, we won two in 13 but what, but what I'm saying is is that I think in the times when we've made the playoffs previously, mm. there were clearly two teams who who were better than us. Mm. But you look at this season, there's Wolves, and then who else is there? But there's in, nobody, the, in, is there? in the Paul Clement season, we were second at this time, or first at this time in that season. Were yeah. we not? And when so he there was wasn't, there was at the time, there wasn't two teams who were clearly yeah. better than us. We so were, we, all we, you know, what I'm trying to say is, it could be that Aston Villa run away with it as well with Wolves, and at the end of the season, we say clearly Villa and Wolves were better than us. But right now. I, at the time under Paul Clement I was pretty confident we were we were set up to get we to there, I, yeah. I don't think there was as much positivity at Derby under Clement as there is a, under Rowett um, I think the fans are very much behind it having maybe questioned the amount of goals we score and the, the style of play whereas I think under Clement things had started pretty well and then we're beginning to tail off. About January time, was it? About yeah, and, and we were we were fifth, I think, but we were two points behind second, so it was it was very tight. Um, it feels like and we the, finished fifth. If I look under Clement, it was the end of that cycle of players. Yeah. Whereas under Rowett, we have sort of rebooted almost, haven't yeah. we? We've sort mm. of reset in terms of style of play, and uh, you know the the team is very different to what it yeah. was then. There's obviously there's a sort of a core of players that have been here since the Wembley season, um, but. 
all other parts of the playing side of things are very different, aren't they? Yeah. And I think for that yeah. reason, yeah, it's a very different approach. And I, as I say, I think this is I think this is our best chance. I think um, you know it's it's in it's in our hands at the end of the day. I didn't expect it to be. No. I didn't. Ex- I thought it would be third or fourth with uh, you know, but the results are going our way. Yeah. We're still the form team despite a couple of draws over Christmas, um, and it's ours to lose. But the key the key thing is here is how we react in January and February because that's when the wheels have come off in the past few years isn't it Kutch yeah and exactly and I think we're going to come on to it talking about experience but it seems like we haven't lost am I right in thinking we haven't lost two games in a row under Rowett yet no that's all. still that's still, that's still up, yeah. that's still right and you know we didn't we're going to come on to Sheffield United as well we didn't play great against Chef but we didn't lose it again like we've got a team that if they're not playing well they'll get a point it's important to keep picking up those <coughs> draws rather than than losing games when you're not playing well and we've said it a few times already but this looks like a team that won't go through that kind of patch like look at Cardiff they've lost four in a row Warnock has never lost four in a row in his whole career right so Cardiff are going through an iffy's patch I can't see Derby doing that I think the squad's too strong so let's look at that Sheffield United game itself uh, a one-all draw Derby took the lead for a Matty Vitra penalty um, before Leon Clark equalised in the second half the two championship top scorers each bagging for their respective sides Um I mean, the concern for me was is that it was the second time that Sheffield United have outplayed us this season. Um, we don't want to get them in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, do you think we saw any signs in that game of where it could go wrong for Derby later in the season? I think we looked a little bit leggy, especially in the beginning of the second half. And I think their goal, uh, when it finally came, I'm surprised it probably took so long, um, were the signs, that, the, the concerning signs, where Johnson doesn't really press and close down the guy uh, crossing the ball in and then we're overloaded at the back and I think Baird has just switched off um, Forsyth has seemed to have pushed up and then dropped into the centre back and yeah. Davis is covering him at left back we hadn't obviously reset there and I think it's because there wasn't enough pressure on the ball higher up the pitch from Johnson in that case we, uh, we, we weirdly lost our shape really badly for we the goal did, yeah. season, didn't we? which is quite unlike us this season yeah, one defensive mistake in what like fifteen games it seems like we've defended so well so you don't want to criticise there but that goal was avoidable definitely um but maybe we're a little bit tired. I'm surprised. I'm surprised we looked. And we we definitely did look leggy. I agree with that. But I'm surprised that we were tired because every you know every team has had the same kind of uh, schedule over the last week or so. Um, and we can and, and we've got one of the strongest squads in the league. And we did we did make changes. So I, I don't think timeless is an excuse for it because. I don't know how many changes Sheffield United made, but their squad definitely isn't as strong as ours. No, well, the the, the, fest, yeah, the, the, fest, the festive period is the same for every team in the exactly. league, isn't it? So that's yeah. not really an excuse. But so I don't know if maybe the Rowett got the training schedule wrong in the week or, or whatever. I don't know. But it's a, I think it's a fine point, considering we beat Ipswich. We would have taken a point in Ipswich and beaten Sheffield United at home. Exactly. So then, at the end of the day, we've, we've increased the gap on the teams below us. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the, yeah. that's the uh, bottom line, isn't it, Tom? That's the important thing. Yeah, we keep picking up more points than the team in third and third then we're going to come second so I think that's a good point uh, not playing well um, I think the whole game was a good good away point not many teams I know they've not had a great season but not many teams will go there and pick up points between now and the end of the season I think we've won our, uh, won the other two games against Millwall and away at Ipswich good Christmas it has to be said how good we are at defending set pieces these days mm. it's, it's phenomenal I mean, we, we were watching the Sheffield United game where we coach yeah. well, Sheffield United had 13 corners where previously Ipswich had 9 corners so we've defended 22 corners in two games. <laughs> and only, well, I mean, obviously we conceded that one goal to Ipswich later on Joe um, from a corner. But aside from that, I don't even remember 
that's conceding that many chances from those corners. Um, and no. that that is huge credit to and the back five and the whole team, in fact, because they all defend set pieces as a whole, don't they? Yeah, and even Huddleston, I saw getting a header on a ball coming from a corner against Sheffield United. And even though Huddleston's the biggest man on the pitch on every pitch, <laughs> you never see him actually winning headers for some reason. But yeah, even he's chipping in. Davis and Keogh are just, are just ridiculously yeah. commanding at the back. And not just from set pieces, but from, from all defensive areas. But it's a good point because in this division, set pieces, like in any division, are so important. And, uh, and lots of teams make the make majority of their chances through set pieces, but we're completely closing those off. So let's have a think about the teams directly below Derby. As was said, um, Cardiff in third, Bristol City in fourth, Aston Villa in fifth. It was, it was Bristol City and Cardiff who sort of flew out the traps at the start of the season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Tom, they inflicted Derby's heaviest defeat of the season on them back in September. September time. Vidra scored early and then they beat us 4-1, didn't they? And they just swept us aside in the second half. Um, Are they Derby's biggest threat, do you think, for the automatics? It's kind of interesting. I've got two mates um, who are big Bristol City fans, Sam and Ricky, who I spoke to today. Um, And they would tell you probably not. They weren't expecting to be there um, in this position. Last year, Lee Johnson almost got the sack. He went 11 games without a victory. Um, and Lansdowne asked the players, what do you think of Johnson? Should we let him go? They all said categorically, no, keep him. Uh, and that's paying dividends. He's a real innovative man. He uses drones at training. Um, he's got his own Sky Sports analysis set up. Um, Mel Morris left a drone over training, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, <laughs> but that's to keep an eye on what they're doing. But uh, Lee Johnson's obviously using this Investigation ongoing. <laughs> yeah, and um, he obviously uses this for fantastic to have like a fantastic squad spirit. And they've got a lot of youth players in there. Uh, the likes of Bobby Reid, who stepped up after their record signing for Mara was injured. He scored 12 goals this year. Um, Aidan Flint is an absolute monster at the back. He's a proper He's a giant centre-back, isn't he? Yeah, six foot five, six foot six, maybe even a bit bigger. And he, he wins things and he's commanding. Uh, and he chips in with some useful goals. I think he's their second top scorer, which is perhaps their concern. Um, Bobby Reid's a centre midfielder. He's playing up front. He scored 12. He's doing really well. How long will that last? Uh, Aidan Flint's their second top goal scorer. He sometimes goes up front in desperate times. Uh, or when they're pushing for a win like they were against Wolves the other day um, that left them short at the back arguably and they conceded in the last minute so the Sam and Ricky were both hoping for to keep up there and keep on the tails a second but realistically they think it's going to be more likely to be playoffs uh, and that's what they'd be aiming for but that'd be a fantastic season for them to they'd be, be happy with that wouldn't they because no team's going to fancy going to that stadium it's a great atmosphere no, down there definitely. and I think the thing that I noticed about them or sort of heard from the Villa games that they were 2-0 down at half time at Villa yeah. yesterday but in the second half they really went for it and they ended yeah. up losing 5-0 so is there a bit of sort of naivety there do you think maybe a little bit of um, experience which we'll come on to in more detail but yeah. do they um, I don't know I feel like other teams might not have done that they would have tried to batten down the hatches for the first 20 minutes of the second half and then try and get one back whereas it seemed to me that City just threw everyone forward at yeah. 2-0 down and ended up uh, paying the price for it. They play like a very high pressing game, and they play a lot. Of, uh, they like to keep the ball for a lot of possession stuff, um, and that can can let them down. They concede a lot of goals from set pieces. I mean, their goalkeeper's Frankie Fielding, and I used to love Fielding for his shot stopping. But by God, when that ball goes in the yeah. penalty area, I'm terrified. Um, you see all the two Wolves goals the other night, um, which are conceded both from set pieces. Wolves also hit the post from a free kick, and as a goalkeeper, I felt both the goals, um, different goalkeepers, Fielding and Steele, in there. Um, the walls weren't set up correctly when I was watching it. I was like, I was concerned about what's happening. One hit the post, one went in. Um, nice of uh, Frankie Fielding to get himself sent off. And uh, what was he doing as well? Help give the game back to Wolves again. <laughs> yeah, what he knows where his loyalties lie, doesn't he? Yeah, madness. But um, but yeah, I think they've had a really great season. Um, how do you they're think? Doing really well. How do you think they'll react to uh, 
to, to the, the thrashing? Well, I think they've got a bit of leeway because you've got the um, the FA Cup this weekend. They've then got their eyes potentially on a, an, an amazing opportunity in the League Cup playing Man City and they're, they're easily the best team in the country, but what, what an opportunity to showcase your skills. They've then got two tough games, uh, ourselves on the 19th and Norwich City on the 12th. So there's, there's plenty there to sort of say we need to get back on that um, and there's enough games in there to to allow them to have maybe a continuous stumble i.e. in the League Cup and the FA Cup and not to have too big an impact on the league so both Sam and Ricky were saying that there's, there's positives going forward uh, but they need some of their players back who've been injured the one their right backs who they signed in the summer Italian lad uh, and uh, Famara who's their record signing up front they need those guys back re-strengthen the squad in January see if they can push on and get into the playoffs Before I come to you on Cardiff coach um, I just meant to mention a, a cheeky little Twitter poll that I did a few days ago Yeah. when I asked you at the start are we starting to believe You know, at what point do you think that we are genuine promotion contenders because for me you said you're, you're, you know, you're there already aren't you you're yeah, you're, you're, you're well and truly on the I'm, I'm, promotion bandwagon I'm buying my family um, badge already for me <laughs> uh, Mr Derby County himself <laughs> for, for me you'd have to come back to me after the Bristol City game if we okay. if we draw or win that game I'm, I'm, I'm fully in I'm 100% yeah. in but I put this out on Twitter um, to see how other people feel and uh, I got around 200 responses not a massive amount but a representative sample I would say so the question was when do you genuinely start to believe we're promotion material the options were I believe already uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after the me. Bristol City game in January not until February or only with 10 games to go can I have the options again that's half as great isn't it um <laughs> And uh, in terms of the answers, 23% said, I believe already. Um, 17% said, after the Bristol City game. 15% said, not until February. And a whopping 45% of people who I asked said they'll only believe we're promotion contenders with 10 games to go. So depressing, I thought people would be a bit more optimistic. Yeah. We have been, as Derby fans, we have been crapped on from afar we've too many hurt, times. We've been hurt before, haven't we? That's too many thing. times, so I don't blame if you. Take, if you take that attitude, you shouldn't believe until you've either guaranteed automatic or you've, you've got to the 97th minute of Oh yeah, even when, even when, even when Keogh's <laughs> holding the trophy aloft yeah. and we're in the Premier League, I'll still be like, yeah. we, we could bottle this. Financial <laughs> fair play will come and get us. <laughs> this could go wrong. George or May, May still gleaming, 30 years of hurt. What is it now? 50, 51? There you go. That's England. <laughs> That's England. That's not yeah, I'm just saying, the, the comparison is there, England fans, Derby fans, we get uh, pessimism. <laughs> we're both disaster zones, <laughs> that's what you're saying. Yes. So Kutch, in terms of Cardiff... They absolutely flew out the uh, yeah. blocks at the start of the season, didn't they? They were top with Ipswich back in August and September. Yeah. And we asked, will it last? I said no. For Ipswich, it hasn't. Yeah. For Cardiff, they're still hanging in there despite losing their past four games. Yeah, well, exactly. So the fact they've lost... But the past... Warner can turn it around, can't he? No. The fact that they've <laughs> lost... Uh, no, he probably can. Not but... just because you hate him. No, he probably can. <laughs> um, I mean, the fact they've lost the last four games and yet they're still first shows, yeah, proves your point that they, they really threw out the traps and they really built up um, ahead of steam. Um, but Warnock's definitely showing signs of actually cracking. As I said earlier, he's never ever lost in his whole managerial career for consecutive games. Is that really games. true? That's absolutely true. I thought you'd make that up. No, um, <laughs> and it's the first time they've ever, ever lost three in a row under him at Cardiff. But it's the first time in his career he's ever lost four in a row. Well, uh, they haven't lost games um, anyway. They haven't lost back-to-back games since um, like January, have they? Well, they can't. And now, it's, and yeah, now it's four. Yeah. So. Um, but his, it, just before the game yesterday, before the New Year's game, they, they lost to QPR. Um, he came out and said, 
that you know they were way ahead of expectations anyway. They he expected to be eighth or tenth in a couple of points off playoffs at this point. So he's, I think he's just trying to kind of lower expectations a little bit, try and rebuild some confidence. But he also said just after the QPR game that he thinks his players have hit a brick wall. Uh, which I can't think I always think when managers make those kind of comments about all oh, our players are tired etc it just makes your players feel more tired I don't think it's a very positive uh, position to take so and he's getting very angry at referees as, as usual so well, standards, I yeah. think uh, I think I think he's losing the plot they have had quite a few bad injuries um, over over the last couple of months but you were w- saying they've actually got a pretty big, pretty healthy they've squad they've got a very they? big squad they've got um, we'll come on to it again later as well but they've got the second most championship appearances within their squad over careers um, and he was able to bring in Joe Bennett Matthew Connolly Brian Murphy Reece Healy and Junior Hoylett back into the team against QPR which is five you know decent players so I can't believe he's in that bad a way for injuries to be, to be saying that's the main problem um, they don't quite seem to me so I have to jump in that they quite have the uh, sort of strength and depth in the forward positions um, there's, there's Mendes Lang isn't there yeah and Hoylet and uh, Zahor Lee, Lee Tomlin as well chipped in with the odd goal he was at Bristol City he got the equaliser at uh, Reading the other week yeah. didn't he but you feel like maybe if the goals dry up for two of them then I don't feel where like, else are going to come from I don't really if you look through their squad I don't really see much quality in, in the, there's in, a lot of players in there's there, a lot of players but it's not a lot of quality players you know, obviously Craig Bryson is there and is having a kind of a mixed uh, impact there I believe but he's one of their most experienced players there then their next three games are home to Sunderland away to Chef Wed and home to Bolton so three you know they, they should be that should be nine points they should be picking really? up points yeah. so that, that's going to be a real telltale and I'm going to give you their run in as well though they're running in April they've got a very tough April <laughs> Sheffield United away, Wolves at home, Villa away, Norwich away, Forest home, Hull away, Reading home. So that's Forest so, at home to win. Yeah. I mean, but, <laughs> but, but look at that April. Sheffield away, Sheffield United away, Wolves at home, Villa away, Norwich away. Yeah, that's that got to be the worst running that must be. in the top six. No, I've not looked at ours, um, unfortunately. But, um, We've got Villa away in April. I can't remember the rest, though. That's Burton Albion away and Barnsley at home. Yeah. And in terms of... Not in, as hard as that. Yeah, in terms of the fans, uh, what fans are saying, obviously, as ever, a bit of a mixed bag. Lots of them are kind of pulling their hair out, uh, saying they forgot how to defend, which is interesting because one of you know Warnock, you'd expect his team to be good defensively. Uh, one fan described it as relegation football. Their recent performances, but you know others are keeping the faith and saying that they're still in a good position. Um, and, and actually, another person mentioned just what you said about the strikers letting them down. I don't think they've got enough quality in the final third. It's funny, um, isn't it, how we all think that. When Derby lose a game or or go for a bit of a a bit of a crisis, that you know our fans are, are terrible and you know it's like a meltdown and it's a toxic fan base and this that and the other. But every team's got it, don't yeah, they? Yeah, of course they do. You're saying those Cardiff fans are having a meltdown there, and it's the same with it's the same with Villa as well. Keyboard munchers, <laughs> I call them. Not a human. Give me your keyboard. <laughs> Let me spout something. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you, you look at Villa as well. I was, I was just going to say that you know, even Steve Bruce said because they had a bit of a wobbly period over Christmas, lost to Brentford, yeah, lost to Derby, drew with Sheffield United after being two 0 up, I think, yeah, um, and they drew with Millwall relatively recently as well. Um, and Steve Bruce actually said recently, Villa are only ever one week away from a crisis. So yeah. it's not just us; it happens to other teams as well. And he sort of had to come out and say that you know, look, I do know what I'm doing. And he says something along the lines of, after they beat Middlesbrough away in Pulis's first game, uh, Steve Bruce said, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but after 850 games, I like to think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, so he, he, 
all other managers are feeling the pressure at the same time, aren't they? With Warnock's comments for Cardiff there, and Bruce as well. Uh, and in, in some ways, Tom, it's a case of who sort of keeps their nerve, really, isn't it? Which Derby haven't in previous seasons. Yeah, I think, and this is this is where we go back to what we were saying earlier about do we feel confident? This is the Derby team which I would feel more confident in keeping their nerve because we do, we're doing the basic things well and we have done those basic things all season and they should be fairly well ingrained. Yes, they'll go missing every now and then. The, the defensive side of it, for example, did in the Sheffield United goal. Um, but essentially, we're, we're a hard-to-beat side and even when we don't play well... Uh, i.e. Hull and Sheffield United we've picked up points when we do play well uh, we score goals and we, we win games so I'm confident that we will keep our nerve um, there's a lot of pressure on Steve Bruce they spent a lot of money supposedly Terry I've heard is on 110 grand which if he is is ridiculous and when he's injured um, he's spending it watching Chelsea not Villa yeah how's that look <laughs> I mean v- Villa, are, Villa are the danger for me I think I mean that Bristol City result shows that they've still very much got a say in this promotion race uh, obviously they had that little spell over Christmas mm. and Bruce came out with those quotes but they've had obviously a few sort of key injuries and I think if they had Jonathan Codger back they'd probably be above us they'd probably be second in the league I think but he's out for the season yeah. Terry was out for a period and they had to resort to playing um, Yedinak at yeah. centre back against us awful. which was obviously horrendous but I think but since then he was then, awful against Sheffield United as well so it fought for both goals yeah they've, they've brought in um, I think Elphick has sort of returned at the back for them and he's uh, he's he's sort of steadied the ship a bit as it were and I think now you know they, they, they are a danger they're only mm. um, five points off Derby and they've got kinder fixtures after Christmas they've got most of the top six at home and have got a very strong home record Villa do so yeah. they've They've still got to say, I think, definitely. One, one thing that uh, we haven't suffered from this year is a bad injury run. Mm. We haven't really had any... I can't think of any key players out for more than three or four games. Mm. And that's what cost us a couple of years ago, wasn't it? When yeah. Chris Martin went off injured against Bournemouth and, yeah. and it all went to pot after that, And I would suggest yeah. we're quite well... I think we're quite well prepared. We touched this on a few weeks ago. There's not really... I think Keogh... If we, lo- if we, if we were to lose Keogh and Davis, we, we'd be in trouble. I think you could probably afford to lose one of them if Pierce is ready to come in. Well, we saw what happens when we lost Keogh at Reading, didn't we? But that we? was 10 minutes into a game. I think if you start the game with those two, I think you still miss Keogh, but I think there's a difference between coming on after 10 minutes and starting the game. And don't forget how, how positively Pierce played last season. He had an excellent run in the in the team, um, and then he start, did start to make a few mistakes, but for 10 or 11 games, he more than held his own. Vig- uh, and Vig- he was player this season. Lo- losing Vigil would be would be tough, but I think you probably could get... We've got such strength in the strikers if you had if you kind of just redrew the team a little bit. We'd need Lawrence to step up then. Yeah, I think you move Lawrence into the middle. Yeah. That's why. And we said before, he's one of the players that we think, and Rowett thinks, has got more to come yeah. from him. Yeah. And if, and if Vigil got injured, we'd need to see more from him, definitely. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Martin scoring some goals as well. He's only scored one this season against Reading, so... Well, we'll come on to that after. We're, also, we're going to talk about who might be leaving Pride Park in the January transfer window. Uh, and as I said, we'll also talk about Man United after this little break. And we'll also sort of look at... Everyone talks about how experienced mm. Derby's team is, don't they, Coach? Yeah. We're going to come on to this after the break. But you've had a little uh, a little look at the numbers and you've uh, sort of looked at some of the figures and how many appearances we do actually have. And how that compares to our rivals. In our squad compared to our rivals. So we'll have a little think about that after this little interlude and before sorry before I cut to the, uh, I cut to the break uh, we'll give you a guess of the goal uh, where I'll just play you a little clip if you can identify the uh, the three important things the uh, uh, the game the opponents uh, the season and the result and then we'll give you a little shout out in the next episode can you guess who got the previous one right um, Kevin 
Correct. <laughs> and Hocknell uh, Ram. Correct. Also correct. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent work, lads. Well so that's well. a hat trick for both of them. Yeah. Um, what, what, are you, what are you sending them? The match ball's in the post. Yeah. Um, so Not actually, here is here is another one. And also, if you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. Give us a retweet if you enjoyed the podcast. We would very much appreciate it. We're on email. Steve Bloomer's watching at gmail.com and we're on Facebook and Instagram too. See you after this. Dion Burton waits in the middle. Lee Morris taking on Lambord. Lambord there in the middle. Deflected shot from Rory Delap. And three goals mean three points for Derby County. Now again. There's Villas. Asanovic. Hello and welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. Now, in the second half, we wanted to dive a little deeper into Derby's promotion chances and look at how everyone seems to talk about Danny Kutch, how how experienced this Derby side is. I mean, I said it recently myself and everyone keeps banging on about it. There's experience in the spine of this team, players who have won promotion before. Mm. But we sort of you've, you've totted up some numbers, haven't you, to yeah. look at just how experienced... Derby actually are compared to the, the, the sides around them in the table and we just want to talk about really how much we think that matters but you looked at the numbers haven't you and yeah. it, it turns out that it's true because Derby have considerably more championship appearances than any other team around them don't they yeah so we've got uh, so what I did was I just looked at the current squads that all the teams have so before January 1st squads that we, that we have and how many championship appearances they had prior to this season starting I thought that was the easiest way to look at it so Derby have the most of the top 8 uh, teams Derby have the most 3,800 odd uh, championship appearances Cardiff have the second most I was surprised by actually 3,400 appearances uh, obviously Cardiff are in third Borough then have the next most uh, just over 2,000 Villa just under 2,000 Bristol City have 1,400. Wolves actually only have 1,200 appearances in their team, which probably isn't surprising because a lot of their players have been signed just this summer. So that is interesting, isn't it? That obviously people talk about how important experience is in getting out of this division, but Wolves have considerably less championship experience than Derby do, but they're yeah. absolutely pissing the league, aren't they? But yeah. I guess it helps when you can buy a £50 million wonder kid from the Champions League. Yeah, that, that definitely helps. They've, if you've got young players who are step way above the quality in the championship and they will shine out and eventually that that will put them to the top of the league and they're obviously playing very well at the moment um it would be quite interesting seeing if they went up whether that continued um without the experienced hands when things go badly but so far Wolves have been fantastic um and those young players have really shone through for them I mean to give some just further information on where those appearances are coming from as well and I think the important thing to look at is the quality of those experienced players so at Derby the most experienced players actually in terms of this is a championship experience only not Premier League experience championship experience Jason Shackle is actually our highest appearance maker for championship football uh, obviously hasn't played for us at all this season 386 then David Nugent has got more than 300 championship appearances Richard Keogh's got more than 300 Alex Pierce is uh, 260 Chris Martin's 250 and Joe Ledley's just over 200 as well and then add to that you know the likes of Tom Huddleston Scott Davis um, sorry Curtis Davis Scott Carson Chris Bird, Chris Baird um, no they've, they've all had quite a bit of championship experience but they've also played a lot of their career in the Premier League and then there's other players like Massey Vidra who have played in promotion winning teams as well. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously Darren Bent uh, and 
and, and others. So, and Craig Forsyth has been around a long time, particularly with us and, and Watford. The clear difference between this Derby team and the 2013-14 Derby team is a bit of know-how and now on how to win a game ugly or pick up a point when you shouldn't be picking up anything. And we've seen that in the results so far this season. I don't, because I think that's the one of the main takeaways you can take from these numbers is that Derby have all this experience, but we seem to have developed different ways of winning games. Um, I mean, for Ipswich, for example, you know, when we were 2-1 up and Ipswich pulled one back for half an hour to go and put us right under the cosh, through the kitchen sink at us for 20, 25 minutes, I don't think would have held on in previous seasons. Yeah, But we're so much more solid now and we're able to grind out results, I think, which we haven't been able to do in previous seasons. And if you take the Wembley season, which I seem to keep going back to, we obviously blitzed our way up the table, but only through playing sort of one way, really, wasn't it? And it was a much younger team. Um, and in after that, in the season, in the one or two seasons after that, so McLaren didn't seem able to shift away from the four three three, and he kept on playing the same players. And we did get found out eventually, didn't we? Yeah. Um, well, but we- it seems Rowett has that bit more nous to know when to change it up. Um, to know when to try something different and to know when to try different players. You look at that QPR team that beat us in 13-14, both in the league game and in the playoff final. They had players in there like Gary O'Neill, Bobby Zamora, who were proven um, uh, proven Premier League players, lots of experience. And and we were so good at Loftus Road. We lost 2-1, I remember, sort of October time, November time. And we played really well, didn't deserve to lose, but we did lose. And QPR picked up three points. Um, when we play our final, the less said the better, but the same thing happened, didn't it? We we played so well, should have won that game, then got found out in the last minute by a bit of a few mistakes from some inexperience, perhaps, and not M- doing the right thing, and an experienced old head putting the ball in the back of the net. McLaren called it the uh, the innocent climb, didn't he? Mm. Thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. Um, Only McLaren would come up with a phrase like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's That's not. Tragic. It's nothing innocent about this season, though, is there? Because God knows we spent enough money to. Um, yeah. We're very guilty. Yes. <laughs> Gu- sure guil- of, guilty but... of being very experienced and <laughs> yeah. knowing how to beat a team when they're be- maybe better than us. And perhaps that's like with the the likes of sort of Sheffield United on Saturday. Uh, yeah, on Saturday, um, maybe they should have beaten us. But with that little bit of know-how in the midfield and at the back, we managed to hold on. Um, for perhaps an undeserved point. Um, Kutch, do you think that experience will be telling towards the end of the season for us? Yeah, I, I think the experience becomes even more important in the second half of the season when, when the stakes are higher and there's there's more nerves um, I would have thought if, if we can keep the squad together and we avoid serious injuries then I think that will be telling and the strength and depth you know it's not just that we've got a good first 11 with lots of experience we've got people like Bradley Johnson coming to fill in um, people like George Ford to come in and fill in Chris Martin's on the bench you know it's, there's, there's experience throughout the whole squad um, it's, and it's actually quite evenly spread you know, we've got a few players over 300 as I said but it's quite evenly spread across the whole squad there's not many novices in that in that entire squad. I mean, why why is it important to have this experience? I guess it's because, as you said, Tom, you, you just have that know how, don't you? Like you know how to win games in different ways. None of the players are surprised by different scenarios in football matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them bottle it when they're in high pressure scenarios because they've all been there before. Yeah, they've they've all learned from their mistakes and they know they know how to deal with it in the future. I guess that is what 
we have in all areas of the of the pitch and we just need the players to show that towards the end of the season. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Um, the learning from your mistakes. As a teacher, I say that all the time. You have to make mistakes in order to learn. Um, and this Derby team have made enough mistakes in the past and the p- players that are still there and are still the core of that team have made those mistakes and are now being improved by those people who have come in who have also perhaps made those mistakes in other, with other uh, teams. And we now have that ability to sort of pick each other up and when a mistake is made, because still, they still obviously are going to I mean, look at look at Keogh. He, he he made a very big mistake. <laughs> we, we, we all know that. Yeah. But he's since won Player of the Year twice and he's probably going to win it again this season. He's been phenomenal this season and as you guys both know, I'm sometimes the biggest critic of Keogh and I <clears> cannot fault him at all in the last sort of 18 months to 18 24 months he's been phenomenal I literally um, lost count of how many balls he headed away against Sheffield United yesterday big, massive massive battle with and Curtis Clark. Davis as well though I that mean. that battle between um, Davis and um, Davis and Keogh and uh, Clayton Donaldson yeah. and Leon Clark that was a right old tussle wasn't it yeah Keogh and Clark going at it right from the early early yeah. on in the game and um, and you know they they just shaking hands five minutes earlier on the kickoff uh, as, as as the two captains and then within about five minutes they were at each other's throat from a corner or something. I bet they love those sort of games, don't they? Like where they both get like a massive centre forward each to yeah. uh, sort of tussle with. I know Curtis Davis did get skinned a couple of times by Clayton yeah, Donaldson yeah. actually, but he's, he's got still, a lot of pace, Donaldson. Yeah, he does. He does have a lot of pace, Donaldson. And but Davis was still absolute titan in the box. There was one header he had no right to to win it. It looked like he jumped about fourteen feet in the air <laughs> and out of, yeah, right in close in. Um, I'll just make a couple of other points that uh, obviously the championship experience is one thing to look at but a lot of these teams do have you know big names from Premier League obviously Villa have John Terry uh, Elmer Hamadi I can never ever pronounce his name Alan Hutton um, and I think that they're obviously important and John Terry you know, I'm sure has been decent when he's been playing for them this season but the championship is you know the championship is a different uh, kettle of fish when it comes to kind of performing and if you're not used to championship then it can be a bit different. I, I'm just very confident in, in the way we're set up to go for the rest of the season. So before Derby's next league game away at Birmingham on the 13th, there's a juicy FA Cup tie at Old Trafford uh, in the third round against Manchester United. I guess the question is, Tom, um, maybe the answer would have been different a few weeks ago, but what sort of team do we put out? Is the league now a bigger priority than it was, say, two months ago? I don't think we change the team drastically. Um, it might be a good opportunity to maybe uh, change and put uh, someone else instead of Foz at left back. Um, maybe mix up the midfield and perhaps not play Huddleston, but I would still play Vidra, Nugent, Lawrence, really, um, Feynman or Russell. Yeah, I still would. Um, you're going to the one of the best teams in the country. You're away from home. We're taking five and a half thousand fans. The last thing I want to see is. Um, a team which is completely full of youngsters who have never played together before um, and we lose maybe that momentum I think playing games is the most important thing that's what footballers are paid to do but we do um, have the squad depth that's, that's what I mean and yeah. also we've just come come off the back of four games in ten days uh, I think um, I think he'll change I, 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 could, I could well be wrong but I think he'll make at least four or five changes I reckon I think he'll change both fullbacks I think um, Wisdom will come in Olsen will come in. Uh, I reckon Davis might get rested for Pierce. Is Shackle fit? I'm I don't think sure. so. No, we weren't sure if he was. If he was, where I think, we? I think we're, I think we're told that he's injured. I can even John Mitchell might get a game in in, in net to be honest. And no, I, think in, I don't think so. In front of him, Thorne will definitely start. I think because yeah. he needs the minutes, and we need to rest of the players. I, I think I think Winner will start as well because he's been knocking on Gary Routes' door literally to play more football. And he got that brace against Ipswich, but he'd love drop it. the next game. He'd love it at Old Trafford as well. So I think it'll change the back four. Yeah. Thorne will start. Shackle, um, 
uh, winner will start and then out wide there's not that much changing we can do really is there I mean Anya just no doesn't even get a look in uh, so it's going to have to be Russell and, and Vyman I guess isn't it I would, if Lawrence is fit Lawrence should play he's not he's not pulled up any trees so far this season um, he hasn't been disappointing but he hasn't been outstanding he's been okay um, and I think he needs to play I think he needs to, needs to continue to try and fit in the team um, and I personally wouldn't change things too much because I think it can disrupt the flow even if we, we do lose um, which is probably likely but even if we do lose it's good to keep that team together and play the play the strongest team that we can possibly put out at that time I don't have a problem with making changes but I wouldn't say there should be wholesale changes for me Carson uh, Keogh I wouldn't I'd understand Vesting Davis but Carson Keogh uh, maybe Huddleston or, or someone in there who's been in the, the spine of the team all season should play I say, I say sorry to, to just jump in I mean you say that but against West Brom away last season in the third round where we had that famous 2-1 win yeah um, Shackle Hansen played Kamara Desart and Hansen all started yeah. and if memory serves none of, none of those four were anywhere near first team contention at the time well, so Kutch do you think can, can that do you have faith in Rowett to uh, to play the squad players and still still get something well the thing is as we've said our squad is pretty strong so a lot of the changes you mentioned Chris wouldn't really lessen the team that, that much I, I, I definitely wouldn't drop Carson I think that'd be the wrong decision I think Carson has to play and we've got we're not playing Burnham sort of week after right there's no midweek game no so what's your team for Man United uh, I'd, I would probably change the fullbacks I think he likes to do that anyway um, I think Davis maybe rest him bring give Pierce a game I'd definitely keep Carson in uh, I'd probably keep Huddleston in there Next to George Fawn probably, and then go with the, the the normal the normal front four, but maybe maybe with Winnell instead of Nugent. I think it will be Russell and Vine, and then Lawrence in the ten behind Winnell. I reckon. I, yeah. I think I think he'll rest Vidra and Nugent. Possibly. I mean, he. I, I could see why he'd want to rest Vidra because he's one of the most important players. He's chipping him with all the goals. Uh, but I wouldn't change too much. I think most. I think you can make quite a few changes, just in normal rotation as as we've done anyway. Um, I think he just wants to look at it and see you know, who, who would really appreciate a run out at Old Trafford as well so I think that's Tom Lawrence is a good one yep. for that Alex Pierce, Sam Winnell I think yep. they're, they're free but I'd say Can we recall Butterfield from Sheffield Wednesday and play him? <laughs> <laughs> well not that desperate to lose this <laughs> <laughs> uh, Speaking of squad players so we're in January as you may have noticed and what and with that is obviously the uh, our beloved January transfer window. Yay, Sky Sports. Which I don't have much time for, personally. But <laughs> no. um, you'd imagine... I mean, Rowett has actually said that we're not going to get any more in before we get any more out. Um, so the question is, Kutch, who's who's going to be out the door first? Well, there's some quite there's some, there's some obvious ones who they'll want to get out the door, I would have thought, which <clears> would be the likes of Anya, um, Shackle, if he is fit and can be sold. And I would have thought he'd try and get Shackle off the wage bill. Um, try, Chris Martin's a different one because he's in, he's still in and around the squad. But I think there's a few players who are just completely outside the squad. You know who could Bent's, be Ben's going to go, isn't he? Darren, yeah, Darren Bent falls into that category as well. I mean, he's meant to be fit now, isn't he? I think. Yeah, he is. Supposedly, yeah. uh, so, he's in first team training, isn't he? Yeah, according to his Twitter, he was. So Ben Shackle and you would be three big names off the wage bill, but I think you're going to find it really hard to sell them. You might loan them out with someone contributing a portion of their wage, but. What's the uh, Nick Blackman situation? Is he on loan still in all season in Israel? Yeah, I believe so. I believe it was a late season long loan, wasn't it, in August? Yeah. So Rowett said that we had uh, 20, what, have we got 29 players, I think he said? Um, and those four are definitely going to go on yeah. their coach. It's just a case of the uh, the maybes. Tom, do you think 
How much would you take for Chris Martin, for example? Well, a couple of years ago, I'd have taken seven or eight million, but now two or three, I think, is... Nah, it's worth most... more than that, surely. Depends who you're saying, MC. How many goals has he scored this year? How many goals did he score last year? He had, what, 10 or 11 last year? He scored one this season. No, he's His not big he's not thing there. is, every other striker has taken their chance when they've been given it by Rowett. Yeah. Vidra's right. taking his chances, Nugent's taking his chances, and Sam Winnell takes a chance every time. Mm. Chris Martin hasn't. I love Chris Martin, and I think we all love him for what he's done for the last four years. But whenever he's come on, or whenever he's got a chance to start, which has been rare, but in fact, it's, the reason it's been rare is because he hasn't really made a big enough impact and there's too much competition. And can you keep all four of them happy? I don't think you can. If you're Manchester United and you're playing Premier League and Champions League, you can keep four strikers happy. If you're Derby County in Championship, I think it's gratuitous. Yeah. You're paying, you're paying what, 49, 50 games a season if you, unless you get a very good cup run. Um, you're going to start your best two players as much as you, you can up front if you're playing two up front. And at the moment... That is Vidra and Nugent. Um, I think in the future, Nugent's going to is on the, on the wane as the age uh, catches up, so maybe keeping hold of Martin would be useful. But we've seen Vidra and Martin hasn't worked as well as, as possible. So do we look for to selling Martin and, and bring someone else in? I was so convinced that if we played Martin and Vidra together, then they would score about a, biz- a bazillion goals in one season. <laughs> but... The one time they played together, they didn't really sort of uh, dovetail particularly yeah. well. And, and Martin just hasn't. You're right, coach. He just hasn't sort of. He's not. The, is is it just as simple as he's not the player he was? I don't know. I don't know about that. I think he probably could be if he's given the chance. It's just okay. that he didn't. He didn't take the chance originally. Nugent did, and then that's kind of set the scene for the rest of the season. Um, I think we mentioned right at the beginning when Nugent and Vidra started playing really well together early on. Nugent's a very positive person. I get the impression that we, I don't know Vidra at all, but I get the impression that Vidra probably feeds off a more positive personality than Chris Martin, who has always been very negative on the pitch when things don't go his way. Yeah. Um, what the, the problem with selling Martin, though, and why I think Tom might be right about the price tag being quite low, he signed a new contract very recently for, prob- I would guess, probably his biggest ever contract. Yeah. And someone who, anyone who's going to take him is going to have to pay him high wages. And, and if we don't want him in the squad, and we want to get him off the wage bill, but you take the hit on the transfer fee to get that big wage off the yeah. wage bill. I would, just going back to why Martin maybe isn't as effective in the system we play with Vidra, think about Vidra's goals. They are often strikes from outside the box from a run created by Nugent, or Nugent setting up the goals. Think about Forrest, for example, Nugent running the running the line and, and getting the through ball. Um, Martin doesn't do that. He's a hold-up and link player. He's a back-to-goal sort of striker, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, and that's great. He's a back-to-goal, sets it up for the wide man, then turns and gets himself into the box. Um, we don't play like that at the moment because we don't have those sort of rampaging fullbacks we did uh, a few years ago so the system has changed it doesn't suit Martin as well um, and I would love for Chris Martin and Vidra to work but at the moment I don't see it and I think Nugent for certainly in the short term uh, the short to midterm is the the choice up front and I would actually quite like to see Winnell sign permanently I think he's done enough to to say he could him and him and Vidra could do something up there well it's funny you say that because when Chris Martin came in he sort of came in as a striker from a middling championship club with who wasn't getting in the team and he had a pretty modest goal record mm. uh, he came in on loan scored a handful of goals we signed him permanently and the season after he absolutely tore it up didn't he although yeah. Winnell has got a much more respectable goal scoring record goals to game ratio um, but less, but less, but less, um, less experience but, but there's parallels in their situations is yeah. what I'm saying is Sam Winnell just a younger version of Chris Martin yeah hope Martin. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> we can, uh... also the other thing to point out just lastly on this Chris is the inter- Sam Winnell has never shied away in interviews, both with local press and with the club's own TV, 
from basically demanding more game time, being quite honest and saying, I don't like sitting on the bench, I want to play more. Like, often you hear players saying that, and it sounds a bit like lip service because they feel they have to say that. Sam Winnell looks to me like he's much more like much more demanding of game time than Chris Martin is. The only thing he shies away from is Chris when he sits on the train next to him. <laughs> <laughs> I knew one of you going to bring that up. Do you want me to tell that story in full again? <laughs> Please do. So I've been to the Villa game. Uh, I was coming back on the train first class because that's, that's just how I roll now. Um, no, it was £3 more expensive. Podcast is going well. Um, and uh, I walked up the carriage um, and I saw... A, a very smart-looking gentleman, um, and I, I you were attracted to him. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw it was Sam Winnell. Um, he was with a he was with a lady. Um, so a I said girl. To, I said to him, uh, "All right, Sam." And he turned around and just went, All "Right." <laughs> so I sat so I sat down next to him. Um, I was sat across the carriage. That, that was your seat, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my designated seat, um, he was sat in a two with him and his uh, him and his lady friend. And uh, 20 seconds later, I just heard him say, yeah, can we move seats? <laughs> you shouldn't be staring at him like that. And she was like, uh, and this, this woman was like, are, are you sure? And she was like, uh, Sam and was just like, uh, yeah, can we move seats? <laughs> so, and that was the end of our uh, in-depth chat. And he used that inspiration to score a brace against Ipswich. Fair so, play. You know. we, have, we do have to thank you for that. Thank you, Chris. He avoided Ipswich defenders like he avoided Chris Parsons. His, uh, his, his loss. <laughs> you know I mean? um, so the Derby squad could look a bit different by the time you play Birmingham or more likely Bristol City or whoever it is we're playing at the end of January but we'll be at that one we'll be at St Andrews yep that's the plan well we've heard it's sold out we haven't haven't heard if our tickets have come through the London branch yet Um, fingers crossed we'll be at Birmingham so um, we'll see you all there who ran I number 11 Uh, before at the start of the podcast I told you that I played 52 times for Derby County between 2009 and 2011. Tom. Go on. Thomas Sivka. Wrong. Kutch. Steve Davis. Wrong. Clue number two. Um, one of these clues can give it away. That's the point, isn't it, Chris? I know, but I'm just trying to drag it out a bit, do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, okay, I'll just have to go for it. My other clubs included, feel free to jump in, Exeter City, Crystal Palace, and Bolton Wanderers. Clutch. Go on. Dean Moxie. Correct. Oh, good work. Good Seven work. Four. I used to love Dean Moxie. Oh. Good work. And then he got sent <laughs> off against Forest, and I was I fumed. I was like, I did don't he? want him ever to play for Derby again. He did that horrible lunging tackle. We lost one nil uh, in about 2011. I remember him. Um, pl- I remember him signing from Exeter. Exeter yeah. was a giveaway. He was, he was an Exeter, Exeter one boy club. Yeah. And he's back there now, isn't he? Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He seven. played really well at Palace when they got promoted. Yeah. yeah. So 7-4, back in the game. Classic tall left-back. We love a tall left-back yeah. at Derby, don't we? We do. Do we? Craig Forsyth, tall. That's Six foot. Two tall left-backs. Two important left-backs <laughs> in the last ten years. Chris Powell was very small. And um, Marcus Olsen is pretty small. Average height. Yeah. I think he's deceptively tall. Let's wrap it up, shall we? <laughs> uh, Can you tweet in Derby County's best tall left-backs <laughs> of the 21st century? Try and think of a third one for us. Uh, but yeah do get in touch if you enjoyed the podcast as I said earlier we are at Steve Bloomer Pod on Twitter we're also on Facebook and Instagram and the email is stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com so that's it for episode 14 we'll be back in a couple of weeks sandwiched delightfully between Birmingham and Bristol City I think 
depending on our availability. Uh, yeah. But Kutch, thanks for your time as always. Thank you, Chris. Tom, thanks again. All the best. See you again soon.